green light is on. I'm, I'm, I got a loud voice. I don't think I need need too much amplification. Okay. All right. All right. Let me. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, beautiful Sunday, a, a time that you have set aside for us to come and gather together to worship you. We pray your presence uh, by your Holy Spirit that you would be with us and uh, enliven us. And uh, edify us as we uh, study this chapter. Lord, would you uh, teach us uh, what we need to know from this? And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, two weeks ago, Matt had uh, announced that he needed the teacher for this particular Sunday because if nobody stood up, uh, he was going to be away, so he wasn't going to be able to stand in and, and cover. And, you know, he steps in covers things very well and easily. Uh, so I, uh, I volunteered to cover this, this Sunday, and I had not really selected a, a topic yet. <clears throat> so I uh, went through his list of suggested. So this is a, a continuing in the study of statements of faith in the Bible and what they teach us about God, what they teach us about ourselves. And I started looking through, trying to decide what I was going to talk about. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, I spent like two or three days trying to figure out what I was going to talk about. I would look at and study some passages and say, yeah, that, that could work. And nothing seemed to really, you know, grab me and say, this is the one, Mike. Um, so one of the benefits of insomnia is that, you know, in the middle of the night, you wake up and you uh, have time to think because you're not sleeping. So uh, 3 a.m. this one morning, there I was laying there not thinking about anything in particular. Sometimes I will pray at those times. Sometimes I'll meditate on, on something that I've been studying. <clears throat> and for some reason, this particular chapter, this particular account uh, came to my mind. And uh, once it came to my mind, I actually fell asleep after that. But I knew that this was what I was going to uh, speak about. Um, I think it's something that you probably recall. Uh, Abraham was uh, sending his servant to find a bride for his son Isaac to continue the line, to continue the line that was going to bring Christ into the world. And uh, he was very successful. Um, but there's a lot in here. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty long chapter, 67 verses. And it seems to be pretty straightforward. He's... The servant is assigned a task, he prays, he goes to the, the, Abraham's old country, and exactly as he's prayed, uh, his, his prayer is answered, and, you know, Rebecca is identified as the one, the family welcomes uh, the servant and his, uh, his additional, his assistants and, and their, their camels, and, you know, Isaac has a wife. Uh, the servant returns uh, back to uh, Abraham and uh, Isaac has a wife. Uh, but it's, uh, there's really a lot, lot in here. And uh, I thought, well, this is good. And the more I dug, I said, I, you know, I'm so glad I, I chose this. Initially, I said, oh, well, what am I going to say about this? But here we are, and I'm really glad that uh, I did select this, or God gave this to me. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's really why I feel so uh, 
confident and, and happy to have landed on this. Um, let's see. So just to set the stage, I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to just review some things about Abraham, the covenant, God's dealing with Abraham. Uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter 24, kind of piecemeal. Uh, we're going to be looking at the faith of Abraham, the faith of Abraham's servant, uh, God's faithfulness, and then finally, hopefully, we'll take some uh, application of what we studied out of this for us today. Uh, but um, just as I had mentioned in, 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 the, in the title here, obviously, this could be called the chapter for a bride for Isaac. It's all about getting a bride for Isaac. But what I came away with is that uh, there was some very faithful behavior and actions of a, of a godly saint. And uh, I'm not talking about Abraham. I'm talking about the servant. The servant was really faithful. And that's, I think, what the focus is on uh, this, this chapter today. So that's what I'm going to do. Let's, let's step through it. Uh, so just to give you a snapshot, if you recall the, the study in the covenants, uh, the Abrahamic covenant, some of this should be very familiar, so I'm just trying to, you know, tickle the, your, your memory cells so that, you know, you'll recall some of this and we can engage in some good discussions. So here's the background. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, God has called Abraham out of his country. He says, promises him a land to bless him. God will make him a, a great nation and he will bless all peoples of the earth through him. Uh, and, and Abraham packs up and moves out, answers the call. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, uh, God establishes a covenant with Abram. You know, you ever get mixed up saying you want to call him Abram or Abraham? I think we always just call him Abraham, right? But I was just trying to be diligent here. At some point, he his name changes. So God covenants with Abraham, who's concerned his only heir is Eliezer of Damascus. But God promises his heir will be from his own body, and performs that, that really strange mystical inaugural ceremony with the smoking pot and the flaming torch, kind of mysterious. And thank goodness uh, we have Hebrews chapter 6 that gives a great commentary on what's going on there. God uh, uh, takes the oath and, and uh, enters a covenant with himself that he's surely going to do this. Uh, Genesis chapter 16 well, you know, the faithful people in the Bible, they don't act faithful all the time. So I, I describe this. Abraham goes off the rails and agrees with Sarah to take her maidservant to conceive an heir through her. And Ishmael is born. Abraham is 86 years old at the time. So basically, Sarah and Abraham, they were waiting around 11 years. So Abraham was 75 years old when he was called out of uh, his country. So waited about 10, 11 years, and Sarah got impatient, said, let, you know, here's my maidservant. Let's, let's, let's produce an heir that way. All right, that's another important point. Uh, next point, <clears throat> God establishes circumcision as the sign of this covenant with Abraham. That's when he gives Abram his new name, father of many nations. All the males in his household are circumcised, and God reaffirms his promise of a son to Abraham. And at that time, Abraham is 99, and Sarah is 90. So now they're really getting old. And now there's really a challenge. And now it's going to be very clear that if God doesn't do this, it's not going to happen. These two, two people are too old to uh, conceive a child. 
Genesis chapter 22, Abraham passes a big test and was willing to sacrifice Isaac as God had commanded him to do that. And God reaffirms his promise of descendants exceeding the stars in the heavens and the sand on the seashore. And finally, the the last bullet point uh, in chapter 23 of Genesis, Sarah dies. She's 127 years old. And doing our math, Abraham is 136 years old, approximately. And they're, they're way up there in their age. So now we enter into chapter 24. So now let's, uh, let's dive into it. You know, it's a long chapter. I was saying, should we read the whole chapter first so we get the big picture? But I, I think you probably recall it. So we're going to just piecemeal go, kind of go through it. So, wow, that is small writing, isn't that? Um, someone have their Bible, chapter 24, Genesis, like to read verses 1 through 9? Help me out. Thank you, David. Thank you. All right, so you see the questions up there, or you can barely see them because they're small font. But so, what is motivating Abraham's actions here? Yeah. Well, he's walked with God for many years now, and he knows what God has promised him. He trusts God. But he's looking at the situation. It's just a realistic situation. Isaac is unmarried. He's approaching about 40 years of age, and he's, he's not married. So where are these children that God has promised Abraham going to come from? And in, in doing this, he's, he's taking a, a step in faith, you could say. Any other comments on this? Cynthia.
Yes. They were. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, certainly uh, in Abraham choosing to choose from his own uh, lineage, his own kindred, uh, um, he was avoiding uh, marrying into the, the people that were going to be dispossessed of their land, the people whose, whose fullness of sin, sinfulness had not reached that, that critical stage when God was going to judge them. And uh, Abraham was, was, was smart in saying, you know, I'm going to choose for my, my, my kin, find an appropriate wife for my kin. But what else do we see in this? Is, uh, is Abraham, so, you know, Sarah had a way to solve this problem, and uh, Abraham followed uh, Sarah's suggestion. That wasn't that great. And God told him, says, no, Ishmael's not going to be uh, the, the son of promise. So in, in take this action, is, is he being presumptuous here, or is he, is, it, is this really a truly a step in faith? Now, what about the servant? What about the servant asking this question? Uh, what does he say? Uh, um, Perhaps the woman may not be willing, in verse 5, to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham's response, no. There's also, uh, he's, he's looking back, God called him out of that land and promised him this other land. And Abraham was not wanting to move backwards. He wanted to proceed and be in position to uh, be blessed by God. Uh, he even, like, t tells a servant, like, okay, if she doesn't, you're free from this oath. Okay, and, and God will have to provide another way, but he's, the cool thing about this is you see that, that Abraham is less presumptuous about what's going to happen. He's not sure, but, you know, if it turns out that uh, the servant finds a woman and she decides not to, not to come, okay, don't, you're, you're free of the oath, you're, you can, you know, you can return. But we're going, we're going to move forward. We're not moving back to the, the land. Kathy, you have a question on your, look on your face. Any, anything? Oh, okay, all right. Okay, Jay, let go to Jay. What, to get married, to find a wife? <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say to that. I have no, I've, I, I did not uh, think about that, but I guess it's a good point. You know, maybe he should have been uh, more proactive. Uh, 
<laughs> Thanks, son. Tim. Yeah, that's right. Our, you know, our son went down in Maryland for college. He stayed in Maryland, you know. Yeah, Ronnie. A lot of marriages were arranged by the parents, yep, in that time, not like today, you know. So that, that might have been part of it. Uh, you know, Isaac was also uh, mourning uh, his mother's death. We learn about that at the very end of this chapter. Uh, he might have loved his mother and been serving his mother and his father all this time. You know, wasn't worried about his own family, starting his own family. I, I, I don't really know for sure, but uh, good questions, interesting thing to, to raise. Nothing, we're not going to give uh, Isaac any demerits because we, we think he should have been more active. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I think there's something here, the way Abraham frames this, the way Abraham charges the servant that he is, uh, he's matured, he's learned from his mistakes, he's trusting God more, and, and that's great. Isn't it great to grow old and, and have your faith increase as well? Tim. Uh, yeah, well, especially he's, he's, he's taken the oath, and he's promised. Yeah. But also, you know, the way Abraham has presented it to him, you can, we can see the importance of this, this mission that he's sending him on, that this is the future. This is the, the, the line of, uh, of blessing that Christ is going to, uh, you know, enter the world through. Jay. Going back to the where the family is, there's family, there's familiarity. Uh, Abraham didn't want uh, Isaac to be tempted to to go that route. All right, uh, all right. Let's move on. Another volunteer, uh, verses ten through fourteen on, on, in chapter twenty-four. Someone, anybody? Kathy, thank you.
Thank you very much. So we get some insight into the, uh, the servant here. We had some insight in the previous passage. We see that he's the eldest servant, that he's in charge of everything that Abraham has, and that's the person that Abraham has chosen for this mission. And now we get to see how this servant behaves. So what's your impression about this servant? Very loyal. Yes. Okay. Great faith. Dave. One of, one of the commentaries uh, I read referred to him as, as Abraham's chief of staff, that he was responsible for everything, meant that he had a lot of authority and responsibility, and also that, that Abraham trusted him tremendously. But look at his actions. Ten of his ca master's camels. We know later that, that servants uh, uh, accompanied him on this trip. We don't know exactly how many. I mean... If there was one man on each camel, could have been 10 servants on 10 camels. Uh, might have been a couple of camels without riders that carried a lot of supplies. But notice he gathered a lot of provisions and money. He was prepared for this mission. And he was going to, he took that vow with Abraham and he was going to pour all of his energy into accomplishing what Abraham had assigned him to do. What do you think about his prayer? Kathy. Yeah. I mean, do we ever pray that specifically? Let her say this, and let, when I say this, let her say that. Am amazing. But again, you know, when, when, when Scott said loyalty, notice that his prayer is uh, that God would serve his master, Abraham. So this, this servant was truly loyal to Abraham and dedicated. And if Abraham had assigned him to be over all of his belongings, all of his uh, activities, he must have trusted him very closely. Um, uh, you know, good, good servant. Good performance reviews every year. You know, that kind of a servant. Tim. Okay, uh, so his prayer is, is pretty specific, focused on, on, on God serving Abraham and, and uh, helping him to complete his mission. Very specific uh, details. Um, he's looking for a, a wife, who you could say is a Proverbs 31 wife. Um, Abraham has told him the angel of God of promise will go before him. The servant is appealing to the same God for a sign to identify a wife for Isaac. Um, let me just look down. Oh, yeah, that's right. So one of the commentators, Matthew Henry, he, this is what he says. He pleads God's covenant with his master Abraham. O God of my master Abraham, show kindness to him. 
Note, as the children of good parents, so the servants of good masters have peculiar encouragement in the prayers they offer to God for prosperity and success. He proposes a sign, not by it to limit God, nor with a design to proceed no further if he were not gratified in it, but it is a prayer that God would provide a good wife for his young master. And this was a good prayer. He knew that a prudent wife is from the Lord, and therefore that for this he will be inquired of it. So, you know, Abraham might say, well, how did you find this, this person? And, and, and the servant would be able to explain, this is how I searched. You know, I, I followed God's guidelines. He desires that his master's wife be humble and industrious, bred up to care and labor, willing to put her hand to any work that has to be done, and that she might be of courteous disposition, charitable to strangers. So he's, he's really looking for a prize, a prize woman for uh, his master's son. This is really an, an incredible prayer. There's a lot in there. Uh, other commentaries, uh, I think, might be also Matthew Henry. He didn't go to the market. He didn't go to the where people play. He went to where people work to see who's working. And uh, we know that Rebecca, you know, is uh, the daughter of the master of that house. And what's she doing? She's fetching water. Good sign that she's a humble. Uh, Servant-minded woman. Okay. Uh, so again, just asking for this exchange, you know, it wasn't incumbent on, on her to, like, water his camels. She might have been nice and ga gave him a drink. But watering ten camels, that was a lot of work, <laughs> you know. And she did that willingly. And... Uh, that told uh, the servant an awful lot about her. All right. Another volunteer, verses 15 to 21. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Thank you. So uh, what happened here? Gosh, this was uh, before he had finished speaking. Rebecca appears. Dave. Yeah. She, she worked hard for a total stranger, right? So here, of course, you know, we, we see uh, God's providence. I mean, 
The servant, the godly servant, he prayed a, a good prayer. His strategy in finding a godly woman was good. He prayed specifically. And God was very quick to answer his prayer. And this was encouraging, but the deal was not done yet. And verse 21 tells us, he gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. So he's still saying, okay, this is good. Again, uh, not being presumptuous, proceeding, you know, methodically and step by step. The woman could still refuse to go with him back to, to Isaac. But uh, I think, you know, th I, didn't, I didn't chase this down much, but the situation where someone's gazing, you know, like uh, in, in Acts, you have uh, Peter and Paul gazing at someone that they're interacting with, somebody who's disabled, and they gaze at them. And there's something going on there. And I, I didn't, I, I wanted to pursue this a little bit further, but any thoughts on that, what this last verse means? The man, the servant, gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. What do you think's going on with it in his mind? Scott? Okay. Okay. Yep. That's, she's the one that got his attention. Chris. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Tim. Thanks, Chris. Yes. Right. That's right. Dave, I, 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 I'm looking at the time. Time check. We're only one third of the way through. We got 20 minutes to go. I'm going to have to keep moving. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, we're not going to get through this if we. Um, so let me read this. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel, and two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels, and said, "Please tell me whose daughter you are." Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in, this, in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother, mother's household about these things. Um, pretty obvious uh, by the prayer that, you know, he's, he's seen the glory of God in this answered prayer, this specific answered prayer. And, you know, the, the bracelets, is he repaying Rebecca for the work that she did? Pretty good wages for feeding 10 camels. Uh, is he trying to win her favor, uh, get her attention? He's got her attention. Gold bracelets, that's going to get her attention. But asking where she's from, and like Tim pointed out, she's exactly, okay, another box checked off. Things are really, really looking good now. Uh, but notice his response to worship God and God's uh, very clear answer to his prayer. Uh, in this way, the, God has performed a miracle. God has worked things out. On his side, he's worked things out in, in how Rebecca has been raised as a person. What, how has she been trained? What kind of character does she have? And things are looking pretty good. Um, I think we know why he's, he, should, he should be encouraged, why, why he's so thankful. Right, okay, let's keep moving. Um, Boy, that's really small. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask somebody to read uh, verses 29 to 41 in chapter 24. 29 to 41. Tim, thank you.
Okay. So some interesting things here. Uh, we could talk a little bit about Laban. That's another for another lesson. Okay. Laban is the same Laban, the conniver that squeezed an extra seven years of service out of Jacob. So him seeing the gold on his sister's arms. Whoa, okay, oh. Welcome, Lord, come into my house. What are you standing outside for? Uh, come in and let's eat, drink, be merry. See how much money I can get from you. I don't, you know, um, but the, the servant has an interesting reaction. I mean, at this point, he's tired. He's been traveling. He's, he's gotten affirmation that this looks like God's answer to his prayer. And the food is before him, the wine, and he, he says, no. I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to drink until I speak what's on my heart. So uh, what does that kind of tell you about him? Incorruptible, puts God first. It's getting close. It's getting, it is another, another box to, to, to check off, but he wanted to... Um, in sharing who he was, who he served, how God had treated Abraham, who the, the future groom is, uh, that he was born to Sarah and Abraham in their old age. Uh, actually, it was kind of a key, key point to communicate that to uh, Rebecca and her family. Because Rebecca, generationally, uh, I think he, she would be Isaac's second cousin. So it would be Isaac's cousin's child, which means that Isaac is the older generation. And communicating that, he's, that he was born in, in uh, Sarah's old age, saying, look, he's not, he's not old. He's, he's young. He's marriable. <laughs> he's eligible. And sharing about how Abraham was wealthy, making this a very attractive uh, proposal to Re Rebecca and her family. Wouldn't you say? I mean, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. I'd like my daughter, my sister to marry somebody wealthy. Maybe I can get a little wealthy uh, through this myself, you know. It seemed like Laban seemed to be in the uh, position of, uh, of steering what was going to happen. Um, but he repeats all this to emphasize what the mission was all about. And... Uh, that this is being set up, and it's 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 an attractive offer. I think it's 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 something which is 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 good. Any other thoughts on this, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. To see God's hand in all of this, that this is God moving. Teresa. Yep, go ahead. Well, that, that's, that's later. That's, that's, that's Jacob, yeah. 
I, I, th I think that uh, what Tim's point was is, is the main point. In relating how God had moved in, in Abraham's life, that he could, he could show and, and, and communicate to, to Laban and Rebekah and, and, and their family uh, that this is all God's doing. And, and that to push against it, to resist it, would be foolish. Okay, moving along. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, I came today to the spring and said, oh, Lord, so, okay, you know what? I'm not going to read this. We, we all know. He's, he's repeating exactly what took place. And, again, it's, it's, the, it's this thought that he's communicating to Laban and Rebecca and the family this is all about God. This is God's doing from beginning to end. The angel went before me. God answered the prayer. And, and God's hand is on this. Again, to, uh, to, to draw them out and say, yeah, you know, we'd be foolish to, to resist this. Uh, as a matter of fact, verse 50 says it. After hearing all this, the account given by the servant, then Laban and, and, Beth, Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and, and let her be the wife of your master's son. So the Lord has spoken. Okay. I think we're done with that. Okay, moving along. Um, when Abram's servant uh, heard the words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah and also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And, and he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they rose in the morning, he said, Send me away uh, to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may uh, go. But he said to them, do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and, and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and a nurse, and Abram's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our, our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. So, again, we ask about the servant. Again, we're, we're focusing on the, the faith of the servant. Uh, verse 52, when Abram's servant heard their words that they said, yes, Rebekah is for Isaac, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. Again, he's, this, this man is worshiping and, and, and thankful that God had prospered his journey. And... You know, he does come up with some things to make uh, the family happy, some ornaments and gold and some, some wealth uh, bestowed upon them. Uh, but again, he's, he's single-minded. They said, well, let, why don't you go ahead, let Rebecca stay here, and we'll send her along like 10 days. No, she's coming with me. Uh, he's mission-minded. I'm going to complete this job. I'm going to bring Isaac's wife to him. Very focused. A uh, man of faith, in touch with God, uh, worshiping God. Abraham did very well selecting this man to be his chief servant. All right, so 
the thing that kind of astounded me about chapter 24 is this servant is doing so much. He's showing so much faith. He's so wise in his actions, his decisions, his reaction to God answering prayer. He's obviously a very faithful man, and he's not named. But do we know who he is? Anybody? Yeah. Well, um, just to cut to the chase, since we have seven minutes left, the Hebrew scholars, they all say that this servant was Eliezer of Damascus. A lot of uh, the Christian commentators, he's Eliezer of Damascus. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go along with that. Uh, it kind of adds a little bit of a nuance to evaluating his character, because, like you said, uh, Abraham said to, to God, I have no heir. Eliezer from Damascus is, is my servant. One born in my household is going to be my heir. So what's this talk about, you know, somebody from my own body is going to be my heir? Because he's, he's childless. It was customary if, you, if a couple was without a children that they would adopt someone, perhaps a servant, a faithful servant, someone they trusted, someone who, who proved themselves to be faithful, and devoted to them, loyal to them, that they would be uh, the, their heir uh, in, in, if they didn't have any children. Um, it, would, it would seem like Eliezer was this close all along to becoming a very wealthy man. If, if Abraham and Sarah were childless, he was in line. And yet, growing up in Abraham's house, you know, the, the, those background points, uh, God's dealing with Abraham, the covenant, all the promises that God had made to Abraham. Eliezer, if he was in that house, he was circumcised. He knew what was going on. Uh, Abraham certainly shared with him. If he was his chief of staff, this servant, then Abraham would have confided in him, if not been very open to everyone in his household, what God's promises were to Abraham and how the whole world would be blessed through Abraham. So I, th I think, yeah, I think it's not just plausible. I think it's highly likely that uh, these scholars have it right. I, they've done a lot more research than I have. I, I'm going to agree with them. Uh, John MacArthur, his commentary in, in the Bible on this chapter, it's Eliezer. He even has uh, Eliezer, uh, uh, his age at 85, when he was sent on this mission to find Isaac's wife. Um, so they all seem to point to this. Uh, Extra-biblical sources also say that Eliezer had a daughter. And he might have been hoping that his daughter would, would marry Isaac. So there's a, there's a lot to this. Uh, again, Matthew Henry, let me just uh, quote his commentary. Uh, oh, it's a repeat. I already said this about that, that uh, the servant went to a place of labor where you could find somebody, a woman who's, who's working and willing to work. And, of course, learning all, this other, all these other uh, characteristics of, of Rebecca, that she's willing to help a stranger, total stranger, uh, not afraid of hard work. Uh, all right. We're, we're doing well. We're on slide 11 out of 15. 
All right, so again, God's providence, right? Servant Eliezer, we're going to call him Eliezer, not the servant anymore. He's got a name. Um, He prays, and no sooner had he prayed this in in his mind, these thoughts to God, and Rebecca appears, and she gets his attention. And he tests the waters, and she's the one. Uh, Obviously, God is, uh, in his providence, has arranged all this. And look at what what he's done. The Holy Spirit has led Eliezer to pray for success, specifically asking for signs. Uh, Eliezer was not shy. He says, God, if you're going to prosper me, this is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to look for. Please bless my journey. On the flip side of this, Rebecca, the Holy Spirit gave Rebecca a humble, gentle spirit to respond to a total stranger. She's willing to work hard. I mean, she could have sent all the servants out to get the water. Why is she going out uh, getting the water? She's, she's the daughter of the, of the master of the house. Why is she doing this? She's not afraid of work. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. And she's akin to Abraham, exactly what Abraham was requesting. And the household agrees. Yes, take her, go. And she's willing to go. Uh, God's providence in, in, in delivering. And and. Why would God do this? Just, just, to, just to answer prayer. No, he, he made an oath, took an oath with Abraham, that, that ceremony. He's going to deliver. He's going to surely do it. Uh, so his hand on, in everything. Uh, so, uh, this, we can skip over this. This is the, the latter part where they travel and Isaac meets his wife. All right. So what's the applications for us? All right, I, okay, I'm going to go you, Scott, first. No, I think I, I saw two hands, and I'll just go, go left. Yeah, it's a random pick. Scott, why don't you go first? Yeah, I, I like that. I like the way you put that. That, you know, as human beings, we, we could have our own agenda. We might think of our own comfort, our own well-being first. Uh, this servant, to, ra- to rise to the level uh, of being, you know, the chief of staff, is uh, Abraham's the one he calls on to do this task. Uh, he obviously had exhibited a lot of faithfulness and not putting himself for, first serving Abraham, and, and in serving Abraham, serving God. Tim? 
say again? Bond servant language? Yep. So the answer to your, your question is yes. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. We're bond servants of Christ. We're not to be invested in this world. We're not to love the things of this world. We're to love God and to seek uh, serving him and being obedient to him. Yes, definitely. So, so the, I think your point is God is in control. God leads us. He, he, he uh, lays out his, our steps before us. Uh, he, he manages even the most minutest things. Okay, good. Teresa. set his face like flint. His food was to do his father's will. That's what he loved. That's what he was, what was on his heart to do. That was his priority. Any, any, any other thoughts? Okay, keep going, Teresa. should be willing to sacrifice others' interests before us. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough call, but that's what, what he asks us to do. Ronnie. it up. Um, trust in God and his promises. Pray fervently. Pray specifically. You know, sometimes if we believe we're, we're, our, our, we have a strategy before us that we believe is, is in line with God's will, then pray specifically. Don't be afraid to pray specifically. Um, exercise uh, faithful behavior. Exercise faithful and timely obedience. Uh, Eliezer, this servant, that's what he showed us. That's what he showed me in studying this. I said, this guy was single-minded. He didn't let anything distract him, you know. 
Um, so tying in with some of the things we've heard recently, a couple weeks ago, Brian Wilson preached uh, from 2 Peter chapter 3. And one of the things uh, he pointed out was, how do we hasten the coming of the Lord? And he said, you know, we hasten the coming of the Lord by, by doing his will, by sharing the gospel, by knowing his word and advancing the gospel, sharing the gospel to the people around us. Because that's what, that's what Christ's mission for us is, is to grow his bride, that more, king, more uh, citizens are added to God's kingdom. And so if, if that's what's in the future, if there's a future uh, in heaven for us to be in the presence of God, that we're going to be betrothed, that we're betrothed to Christ now, it could be a uh, wedding feast, a time of eternal bliss, that should be our, our focus. That should be before us. We should be heading toward that direction and have less affection for the world. Uh, no higher calling than calling souls into, into salvation. So quoting uh, Matthew Henry again, um, this is again the, the specifics of, of how we can pray uh, taking from what we've just studied, that he would please to make his way in this matter plain and clear before him by the concurrence of minute circumstances in his favor. Note first, it is the comfort as well as the belief of a good man that God's providence extends itself to the smallest occurrences and admirably serves its own purposes by them. Our times are in God's hand, not only the events themselves, but the times of them. Secondly, it is our wisdom in all our affairs to follow providence and folly to force it. So again, that's where that idea of presumption comes in. We're not assuming that, we're not trying to test God by throwing before him, make this happen and then I'll know that, um, uh, that I'm doing your will. No, we're not trying to force it just like the way Abraham was very cautious, uh, allowing God room to operate and room to answer his, his prayer. Uh, to follow providence and folly to force it. Thirdly, it is very desirable that which we may lawfully pray for while in the general we set God's will before us as our rule, that he will by hints of providence direct us in the way of our duty and give us indications what his mind is. Thus he guides his people with his eye and leads them in a plain path. So that's it. That's it. Yes. Go ahead. I think that's perfectly in line. That's a good strategy. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other? Questions, thoughts, comments? Anybody? Oh, okay. Let, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness that is in it. And if we look into it, we see that it is more than just good. It is great and, and a rich blessing uh, to see how you have operated throughout man's history and how you are operating now and that you have uh, blessed us by uh, making us a part of it. 
by calling us to be bondservants of Christ, to serve him, to serve you, to advance the kingdom, to share the gospel. Uh, Lord, would you help us to be diligent, help us to be focused, help us to uh, have the world become dim to us that we might see you more fully and serve you faithfully. Thank you for this time. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.